0: The NBA is back, and so are we. Today is August 8th, Saturday, and the NBA has been back for about 10 days, so we're going to be talking about the return of basketball and basically what has stuck out to us. Probably getting some contender talk, who's looked good, who's looked bad, just kind of wherever this conversation takes us. And then after that, to continue with our front office theme, we're going to finish with a segment that's based around a roster construction move that you'll see teams do basically every summer. Quick hint, it's kind of inspired by T.J. TJ Warren's electric play so far in the bubble, so stick around to the end for that. So, Sam, to get us started, how have your Timberwolves looked this bubble? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh minnesota actually hasn't lost a game yet they're one of only two teams uh, that hasn't lost a game and yeah it's really coming together well um the trades seem to be meshing like i mean if you're if you're not losing a single game during orlando you got to feel good about yourself right
0: well that's about as good of an answer <laughs> as you can have for that <laughs> um so just where do you want to get started what are some uh what stood out to you so far just what are you thinking
1: uh well first of all i think i'll start with the phoenix suns uh if this was video podcast you might see the giant logo behind me uh that actually is one thing that has gone poorly for the wolves if you had any devin booker dream trades (laughs) i don't think they uh got any more likely recently because the suns are absolutely on fire no pun intended they're 4-0 they had a game winner the other day um Devin Booker over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard was that uh, was that your favorite moment of the bubble so far?
0: Uh, no, mine's got to be when the Rockets took down the
1: Bucks. But oh yeah, that yeah. was that was good too. Um, no, I mean I've just been excited by the Suns because like I like many other people were like, why were they even invited? This is pointless. Um, Kelly Oubre is not even playing. They weren't good anyway during the season, and now all of a sudden they. They can't lose, and they, I think as of right now, they are only a game and a half behind Portland, and um, in a couple hours, the Clippers play the Blazers, so you'd think Portland maybe would lose that game, and then Phoenix plays Miami tonight, uh, or maybe yesterday by the time you're hearing this, and they don't have... Butler or Goran Dragic so I mean the Suns could really be right in the thick of things which is just really exciting to me because they're kind of like an afterthought of the bubble and they have some players that are fun to watch uh, namely Devin Booker who has been great so far so yeah I've kind of been looking hard at the bottom of the west just because some of the seeding I'm not overly interested in uh, with no home court advantage, I think a lot of teams don't really care that much. Uh, I mean, there's a few that maybe we'll talk about later that probably want to avoid certain teams, but, but more so keyed in on like who's fighting for their lives because that's more fun.
0: Yeah, real quick, um, I'll add to just the Suns talk, and you know it's pretty inspiring because it's not it doesn't seem random. I know they have had some shooting luck in their favor. Like teams haven't shot that well from three, and they've shot pretty decent, but. You just kind of look at the idea of what they've been doing. It's just, it makes a lot of sense having your Devin Booker lead the show as you're like scoring two guard, two promising wings in the middle of him and Ayton. You look at uh, Cam Johnson's been shooting the lights out and been playing pretty solid defense. Mikel Bridges has been probably like people have been raving about his defense in the bubble. And then you factor in Kelly Oubre, his uh, future. We'll see how that goes with him only have one year left on his contract, but it's just, and Ayton's like always oh, – he made such big strides on defense this year and he's actually shooting a little bit of threes now. Like, I mean, there's real potential there for just 3 solidish wings to throw in between Booker and Ayton and then just try and maybe – if you can keep competent point guard play going forward or maybe you – like in the draft, you hit – they still have a pretty good draft pick coming unless they make the playoffs. Um right. Yeah, I mean, it just makes a lot of sense what Phoenix has going on right now.
1: Yeah, a lot of people kind of made fun of their Cam Johnson pick, but he looks really good. Uh, just like because I think it was just because he was super old and seemed to have like a low upside. But I mean, he looks good.
0: Yeah, so the, yeah about that too. It's like look at when you have hindsight, look back. Like, oh yeah, I mean, he's definitely worth the pick they took him at. But the argument about that, like against that, is like the value still wasn't there. Like if he was, the thing was, people thought he was going to be available in the twenties. So, even if he's he's like significantly outperforming where he was uh, drafted already, but it's just at the end of the day, you still probably could have picked up like another quality second or a late first or something like that just for moving back to take him. So, that's where the kind of sons, I guess, are still in the wrong. But the pick looks fine, but the value behind it at the end of the day,
1: not as good. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, need, they could have used uh, another quality second so they can dump another future 30 points per game player uh, like they did last summer. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> no, but I guess we can use that to do, uh, talk a little bit about TJ Warren. Have you seen uh, – like, his progression has been pretty crazy. Like, he used to be, like, never shooting threes, and now he's just on fire. Um, pacers – People expected to scuffle uh, in Orlando, and they've been, I think, three and one. They've been pretty hot. Um, have you watched the Pacers at all? And also, do you think it matters uh, if they actually end up like fourth and they play Miami or if they end up playing Philly? Or do you think they really care how that tumbles out? Um, I
0: haven't watched them too much. They've kind of just been, I've flipped them on and I was like done watching another game or just something like that. I haven't sat down and watched the full game yet. Uh, but I mean, do you think they can win a series, like, no matter against any of those teams?
1: I don't know. See, I might be high on the last eight days of basketball, but they, I don't know. They've looked really good. Old Depot still hasn't even really done anything, and they've been winning. Um, I don't know. They got Brogdon back. And, That's a and so weird. I, mean,
0: uh, I was going to add to, like, Old Depot's contract situation. So you just uh, yeah. finished what you were going with?
1: Oh, I was just saying they seem to be playing pretty well like brogdon's back he looks good and um even without sabonis like i don't know they they beat the sixers before ben simmons got hurt and I, don't, I might be a little bit uh on the recency bias train but i think that they really could push like six or seven uh if they got miami or maybe even philly if, if simmons is out so it'll be interesting but yeah Depot like it's looking really shaky for him all of a sudden <laughs>
0: It's weird too because I mean it's a tough situation for him to be in, but just looking at it like he's extension eligible and it's his contract basically extension rules he can't get offered like the max contract, but he can still get a big chunk of money. Like, he can get real like tw- like 25 million plus a uh, year annually. and I don't know I mean, I think he probably from the reports I've seen he wants to get paid as much as possible. And it's just, I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to be worth that again, like, let alone a max contract. I don't know if he'll ever be worth what his extension could be. And he's, like, trying to, he's trying to come back maybe early. I don't know. Apparently he feels great. But uh, it's just weird. It's kind of like he's fighting to come back from injury to fit into a team that he used to be the best player on, but now he'd probably be, like, the third offensive option, maybe even the fourth if Sabonis was healthy, but he's still trying to, like, prove he can still play because he wants his money, and it's just a really weird situation with him.
1: Yeah, and despite how good they've been, they've actually been, like, negative, uh, just, like, negative two, I think, in the three games he's played when he's been on the court. And he's also, I mean, he's still been playing, like, 30 minutes, even though... There's some questions about uh, his health. And I mean, he's only averaging like 15 points and two assists. I mean, obviously extremely small sample size. But this was against like the Suns and the Magic. So now the Magic have a good defense. But I don't know. He just, he doesn't look great. And he kind of came back, it seems, to not forego all that money. But maybe he's going to end up costing himself more money in the long term if this was like his chance to get an extension and he only looks like kind of a shell of him, of his former self. Uh, maybe that's a little strong, but maybe he's only 80% or so of kind of his peak. And I know that he's someone that I've targeted for a lot of the teams we talked about in the uh, in our deep dive offseason pods. And I don't know, now I'm a little bit more hesitant uh, to, if seen, seeing his play early on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just... It'd kind of be better for his trade value probably if he wasn't playing now. That that just now there's the evidence in front of their face. Be like, okay, like we don't know how good he's actually going to be. Like you can actually point to the most recent play, and it's not the. I think the unknown would probably be better for his trade value. Like if it, some some of the deals we've talked about, like I think Minnesota and Atlanta, just like those, those teams offering up their pick basically, and for Minnesota salary filler as well, but. um Yeah, just offering up their pick if it was, like, top five or something like that just to see if uh, Indiana would straight up take that. And, like, I think without knowing, if I'm still, like, of of the mindset of saying, oh, maybe he'll come back, like, 95% of himself, then I might push for more as Indiana. But now I think if I get that offer, I might take that in a heartbeat, especially with, like, uh, TJ Warren looking great and the fact that him looking so yeah he had a great year as it is so like yeah he's looking insane in the bubble but he also had a the best year of his career and every forward who ever comes to indiana learns how to play defense so i mean now he's a legitimately three and d style wing who it could also you're probably comfortable with him being your second or third just creator maybe even first like iso creator but not just like your heaviest on ball guy you still have someone like brogdon for that and Sabonis can still produce quality offense as well. Like, I mean, I think Indiana's perfectly fine without Oladipo. So if I can get like a a top lottery pick for him, I think I'd definitely do that as them.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't want to completely flip flop from like what I was saying two weeks ago, but I <laughs> I, I, I imagine if you ask them right now that they are a little concerned. Um, I mean, I guess you could always point to. They just had four months off. He's still ramping up, but at the same time, like, shouldn't have he been able to get like fully healthy in four months? Maybe yeah. <laughs> his like conditioning and strength isn't like maxed out because he maybe didn't have uh, all the equipment and team facilities and whatnot. But but yeah, I mean, you would think that he should be like uh, fresh as can be after after all this time, and certainly concerning. But yeah, I think that it's Pacers like they don't need him to be a solid to above average team in the East and. And maybe if they just want to cash out and get like another future chip that that might be wise i mean real quick just to continue with
0: like P- pacer's uh, future talk um i mean they're really in a position to kind of pull off a somewhat model of what the celtics have done just of, or i think the rockets actually did it when daryl morey took over too just like avoiding the full rebuild where like, they could look to move one of the two bigs, too. It probably end up being Miles Turner, just based around, like, who it seems the organization prefers. But, I mean, and I feel like as a French team, I might would rather have Sabonis to help me get to the playoffs than Turner, but it's a conversation for a different day. Um, but just the idea of maybe you can move Oladipo and one of the two bigs, and you keep Brogdon, Warren, and the other big, plus just, like, some of the other, like, decent pieces they have now. Like, if you get, like, a few... If you get quality like, picks out of the Turner and Old Depot deals, plus keep your like three to four solid players, like fringe all-star level players, they could probably pull off a pretty good balance of uh, staying relevant for the next few years and setting up a decent future as long as they don't like butcher the picks.
1: Yeah, they seem to be experts at, like, the middle class, right? Like, they never are terrible. Like, I never see them with 19 wins or our bottom barrel lottery, but you're probably also not going to see them with a top three seed. They seem to be really good at finishing, like, fourth to ninth or so at worst. Yeah. Um, So this
0: has been a lot of Phoenix and Indiana talk. Do you want (laughs) to talk about some of the contenders?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, are you worried about like the Lakers and the Bucks? The Bucks blew uh blew that game to the Rockets. The Lakers have looked very shaky. I think they're two and three. LeBron looked like he has aged like ten years uh in the four months that we we haven't but, seen him. And he was listed on the he's been listed on every
0: injury report, apparently, but um he le- legitimately didn't play in the Rockets game. But I mean that's probably just because they had just locked up the first seed and he wasn't gonna play in all eight games regardless. But I think it is worth noting that it wasn't um, it wasn't a uh, load management. It was the fact that he's been on the injury report every single every single game for the growing. And then this one, he finally didn't play. Um, I mean, it probably actually is load management, just making sure he doesn't do too much on it. But I mean, it's, it's worth noting. It's something to keep in the back of your mind.
1: Yeah, and they've been listing him, like, with the groin issue, which was what kept him out last year for a month. And I think they said that, like, you've seen him icing it, either in, like, timeouts or when he's on the bench or whatever. So it's definitely a little bit concerning, as well as the Lakers obviously lost Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. And then Caruso is questionable. He missed the game, I think, yesterday, and he's questionable tonight. So, yeah, it's it's not looking <laughs> great for them. Um I mean, all the top teams have not looked great, really. I mean, the Lakers lost three games. The Clippers have lost twice, uh, including to Phoenix. Uh, Denver is super weird. They've been, like, sitting... I mean, they have uh, have all these injuries. Jamal Murray hasn't played. Uh, Will Barton hasn't played. Jokic sat out the whole fourth quarter the other day. And and I mentioned the Bucks. Like, all the top teams I have not impressed me very much, which is kind of why I started with the bottom teams. Except for, like, Toronto. But then they got actually smashed last night by the Celtics. So... I don't know. I'm not inspired by these top-tier teams right now. Well, there's one name I didn't hear in there. That's the Houston Rockets, who yes.
0: actually, once that I saw on Twitter from multiple accounts, though, so I believe it, um, they now have the best record in the league against 500 or 500 and plus teams. They're 18-11. The Bucks were 17-11, but when they beat the Bucks, that put them with the best record. And they've lost, like I think, two two of those losses were definitely at the buzzer. Um uh, they lost like on two deep threes in two different games this year i think one to the jazz one of the kings uh, the kings oh, are yeah. about 500 so that, that wouldn't count but uh with the jazz i remember the jazz uh i think it was bogdanovich from like 30 feet <laughs> yeah that was right after the small ball too like that's when they were like nine and two with the one loss being like the back-to-back to phoenix uh where just they didn't have it and then the next loss the only loss being like the one point loss to the jazz but yeah i guess i'll choose this to get into the rockets i mean the Bucks game that that was just such a fascinating game. Just how much like their um, how different their strategies are. Like I just I was really curious if the if Bucks, if the Bucks were just going to let them shoot all the threes, like because that's kind of how that's how Milwaukee plays, where they just let teams. I mean, they don't just give you threes, but it's like they're they protect the hell out of the room, and they're just going to make you hit threes. And it's wild how many corner threes they actually gave up to Houston. Like. Yes. Like I get it, P J Tucker wasn't hitting for a while and I think he still finished like three of twelve or something like that. But the third quarter, I think it was they went six of ten from corner threes and it was the same thing. It's just one dribble middle, make uh Brooke Lopez like come all the way to the paint and uh well he's already basically in the paint, but just come all the way to the rim and help leave the corner guy wide open. I mean I I understand the concept of not wanting to um change up in the regular season and not show your cards early and stuff like that for, like, kind of what's a pointless game. But they, it just that also happens to coincide with Coach Bud being kind of known for not being the best when it comes to adjustments and kind of being stubborn when it comes to adjustments and not making them. So I don't know. But that game was pretty fascinating. Then they took down the Lakers without LeBron, but they also played without Westbrook. Um, the Mavs game, that one was just – crazy offense, but I don't know. I mean, Houston's, like, really impressed with James Harden. Like, he definitely got, like, a one a step back. Like, he's a little quicker now. Uh, lost all the weight during quarantine, just letting his body rest. Like, he's getting to the rim way more. Like, I think he didn't miss a two-point shot until, like, the third game. And the step-back three is looking just as pure as it does every time when he's, like, coming out strong at the beginning of seasons. And I think – This is like, so all that's kind of just eye test stuff that I've just liked from watching them. But right here is like why I think they're like basically just as legitimate of a contender as the Lakers and Clippers in the West. The math advantage has never been more in their favor, I don't think, because they're up to around 63s a night just through the normal flow of the offense. They win the turnover battle every single night just because they teams think they have all these mismatches in the post, with, which sometimes they do. Like, you give up a few bunnies the way they play just a few easy ones at the rim. But also, you, they turn the ball over five to six times a night on entry passes. Um, they have, and then teams end up missing. Like, you still only shoot, like, 60% on jump hooks regardless. So teams, like, yeah, they might be able to get to the jump hook sometimes, but when you have to turn it over... of the time you throw it in, then factor in that you're still only making, like, 50 to 60% of that shot. And that's only when you're on one of the, like, worst defenders. Look at James Harden, P.J. Tucker, all of them. Those are, like, some great post defenders. So I think they're forcing teams into, like, lower percentage shots than what the teams think they're getting. They're winning the free throw battle significantly every single night when you have James Harden, who's also going to knock down 90% of them. And I haven't, like, ran the numbers yet, but just from... The, how much they've been winning the turnover battle to go with everything with this new style of play. Like, I think their math advantage is basically higher than it's ever been. And also just... They're, they're, they've always... You can always put their ceiling up there with the other teams just because you're going to have nights where they shoot 40% on 50 to 63. So, I don't know. I just think the math, the math advantage is at an all-time high. Plus, James Harden looks like the best version of James Harden. And... Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably just as real as the Lakers and Clippers.
1: Yeah, they certainly have been good. James Harden, I think the break was probably perfect for him because he's been known for getting a little worn down as the season goes with all the ball-hailing he does. Uh, I will say I didn't think of them because they did come in as, like, the sixth seed, I think, technically. So that was thinking of, like, the top seeds. But also, uh, so the Dallas game, I think they were down seven with, like, 42 seconds to go. So they kind of pulled a rabbit out of their hat with that one including Covington tipping in uh missed free throw to tie it with like two seconds left Uh, I'm not sure if Harden was trying to miss that or not he probably definitely should have been trying to miss it but (laughs) that one was kind of um I mean obviously a win is a win and it was a great comeback but that one you probably lose like eight or nine times out of ten and then the Milwaukee game too I think they were down eight with like three minutes to go which obviously is a little less crazy but like easily could have lost one or both of those and then they did lose to Portland um, and then they play the Lakers without LeBron like you mentioned so I think it it could be looking different for them with like a couple different bounces of the ball but they it certainly look good and also they don't even have Eric Gordon who I think they actually expect to get back in the next like week or so um, no I agree I think that they are I, I think that the Lakers would be pretty concerned to see them in round two. Yeah. If you're the Rockets, do you do you rather just stay four because they could, in theory, get up and pass Denver? Maybe if they won like all the rest of their games, or I mean, if they really tried, they might be able to tank all the way out uh, down to six. Like because like three or four through six is like super super close. So basically, for the Rockets, do you have an opinion uh, on Clippers versus Lakers in the second round?
0: Yeah, 100. percent Rather see the Lakers in the second round. There's and I know sometimes there's the argument for um, maybe trying to catch the other team while you're still fresh, like uh, the tougher matchup in the Clippers, like maybe earlier, the, the, yeah, earlier, like trying to catch them in the second round, while well, especially when you look at James Harden, someone who's had a history of breaking down. But I don't know. I mean, I think just I'd rather just try and make it as far as possible for now, and especially I think they need to try and make it as far as possible, so. Um, the owner less likely to sell off contributing <laughs> players this summer. <laughs> Something I might get into in a little bit later. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's kind of, if they can make the Western Conference Finals, i much rather do that. And I think the easier path to that is 100% facing the Lakers. Like, I mean, I don't, the Lakers have struggled with them all year. Like the first small ball game, the first Robert Covington game uh, against the fully loaded Lakers uh, the Rockets won that and I believe that might be a game too where Avery Bradley was like on fire from three. Like, so the Lakers had like a scoring anomaly too that was in their favor but I mean they have plenty of they're uh, equipped pretty well to guard LeBron with P.J. Tucker and some of their other bigger guys uh, I don't think the Lakers really have anyone who can guard James Harden and then I mean they put, West, they put Anthony Davis on Westbrook which was interesting but I don't know if that how sustainable that is. And then you're probably going to have just... That's going to lead to the shooters being more open if 80, if 80's not guarding one of the corner guys. And I just think the Lakers kind of match up terrible and the Rockets are pretty equipped to handle them. And so one interesting stat from the Lakers-Rockets game is I think the Lakers only shot like 18 threes the entire game. Like, obviously, LeBron, his thing is creating threes for everyone and stuff like that. But the Lakers already... They don't have, I mean, I think they have the worst, like, crunch time offense basically in the league. It's kind of just LeBron walking into that pool, uh, dribble pullback uh, three That's that tr- that trends on Twitter that when he makes one of them. But, uh, I mean, that's, and, like, LeBron doesn't have the straight line driving ability, especially if his legs are potentially compromised. So, I don't know. I really like that matchup uh, from the Rockets' point of view. And, yeah, I think that's the best way for them to make it to the finals. And, Clippers think they really just got to make shots. They got to have a really good shooting series to beat the Clippers. But, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd probably favor the Clippers there, but I think I definitely think it's more than a puncher's chance, maybe like 60-40, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that the Rockets' best players are like point guard, shooting guard, and then Lakers' two best players are whatever, small forward, power forward, you know, call Davis a center, or Lebron a power forward. But, like, the matchup was just really goofy because um, – the Rockets don't have anyone to guard AD, but then, like you said, I don't think anyone in the Lakers is too equipped to guard Harden. So that would be an extremely interesting matchup. And oh, I didn't want to touch back on that Bucks game. So I actually watched that whole game. Well, I've been doing a lot of like flipping around because there's so many games on uh, last week. But I watched like that game start to finish, and it was crazy to me, like all those open threes that you were talking about, and they seemed so simple. Like it seemed like like rec league. Like I just drive to the middle and just, like, find open shooter, like, over and over and over and over. And, yeah, PJ Tucker, I think I even sent one of my buddies, like, the gif of them lining up bricks, because he was just, like, so cold. For, I think he missed maybe, like, four in a row at one stretch. But, um like you said just play the play the numbers game eventually they'll start to fall like he's not a great shooter but you at least have to like you can't just give him like a wide open corner three repeatedly and jeff green has been hitting threes lately i think house has been uh, house has been great really well, like 40 percent or so
0: house has struggled with like confidence issues like uh during like cold streaks and stuff and he's it, it also would always coincide with like shoulder problems so it's like you kind of didn't know which was the start of it. Like, is he not confident shot because his shoulder or whatever? But he was looking bad before the break. Like, the Rockets were on like a, lo- a huge losing streak, and he was very hesitant. He wasn't looking to catch and shoot. Whereas in the beginning of the year, he was letting everything fly. He's doing his one dribble in, step back three, and he's back to looking real confident. Like that's another key thing for Houston. He's uh, legitimate, like three and D, high volume, uh, with a- actually a little bit of shot creation to him too. So. That's pretty. That's another reason why I'm pretty
1: high on Houston right now. Also, yeah, he's looked good, and even Rivers, his his minutes, like he he can get some stuff done. Like he, he has some confidence to step back three, and he actually hits a couple of them. And like he can penetrate a little bit. He's kind of like feisty on defense, too. Probably too small to like really guard anyone. Great, but I don't know. I I think he's even competent. So Houston's looked good, um, but the, the Lakers should be worried about them, but. What about should the Lakers be should Lakers be concerned about Portland if they play them in round one? Portland is it was in the Western Conference Finals last year. Granted, they had the easy side of the bracket, but they're like fully healthy now, except for Ariza uh, opting out and Dame hit 11 threes the other day. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. has been one of the breakout players for me uh, in the bubble. He's just absolutely on fire. I think he's shooting like, 63% from downtown, and and he just like. I've watched a little bit of them just because I've been, like I said, keying in on the kind of the West playoff race because it's interesting to me and there's like so many teams in the battle. And he looks so confident; and he's just ready to shoot. And like I saw one late late quarter situation, he was like calling for the ball when Lillard had it, which I just thought was funny. Like he's just he's just like on a, on one right now. And so I don't know. Do you think Portland like could, could scare the Lakers? And is Portland even gonna make it?
0: Um, so I'm looking at it right now, as of August eight, Saturday. They are one game behind, but they're in the ninth seed. And yeah, I mean, I I'd be scared of them as the Lakers because it's kind of uh. So throw back to the last time your Wolves made the playoffs that when they were going against my Rockets. Um, some of, I remember talking to someone about it. I was like, I mean, yeah. I think what was that? Like the two seven matchup, or was that no, even was the one? Eight. Eight? Well, yeah, that it was one eight. eight. That was a really good year for the Rockets, right? That was the um CP first year.
1: Yeah, that was like 60, 60 plus. Yeah, the, minutes, yeah, so I think it was... they were like
0: 65, 17, or something like that. But yeah, I was talked to someone about it. I was like, I mean, yeah, obviously you're playing the eight seed, so that's cool, but it's, they're they're not the eight seed. They were like the five seed when Jimmy Butler was healthy. He missed like the last like what, like month of the season, something like that. Or he just a yeah, huge chunk.
1: Actually... I think they were actually either in third or fourth when he got hurt, and then they, like, really scuffled without him. And, yeah. and they actually finished, like, one game out of fifth. There was, like, all these logjam of teams, oh, yeah, I and that. I think they had the tiebreaker over, like, three of them. So I think they, like, literally would have finished fifth if they won, like, one more game. So, yeah, they probably weren't, like, a standard eight-seed by any means.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I am a little scared because that's not an eight-seed quality. Like, they were playing middle of the West, like, uh, when their best or second best player was healthy. So that's kind of how I feel about Portland. Like, they did not have their real team all year. So, I mean, probably, especially with Dane playing, like, as great as he's played this year. Like, I mean, he's had an insane year. Um, And it's continued into the bubble, too. Like you said, like, 11 of 18 from three and getting, like, double-figure assist nights. Probably, I I haven't looked into it too much, but I'm, I'm assuming teams are trapping him more and he's, like, hitting people out of a the short roll and things like that. And it probably helps when you have
1: Gary Trent Jr. knocks down every single three that comes his way. Um, Did you happen to see his shot chart from last game, Lillard's?
0: I didn't see it. What what was it?
1: Like, I don't know, Danny LaRue posted it. And it's literally zero shots between the three-point line and about nine feet. And obviously he made 11 threes. So it's just like straight at the bucket. And, like, just, like, these deep threes. He has, like, four threes from, like, four feet beyond the line or more that all went in. And, I mean, it looks like kind of like James Harden's, right? Like, just eliminate completely the mid-range. Yeah. But Lillard, he surprised me that he can actually get to the hoop. And, like, he has, like, athleticism that maybe you wouldn't expect because he's just, like, such a small dude and he's getting a little bit older. But then his three is just – it's he's basically, like, Curry Light. Or maybe not even Curry Light. Maybe, like, Curry at – Ninety-five percent of his ability, or so, is for in terms of his just like pull up off the dribble. Like nobody besides those two guys can shoot in that fashion from that deep, that yeah. quick of a trigger. uh It's just pretty amazing to see.
0: Yeah, they have he's been on fire, and I mean, yeah, I think I'm worried about them as the Lakers because let's just kind of work through that matchup. Who? Well, I mean, obviously they don't have anyone who can even slow down LeBron, so that's going to be tough on them, but I mean, like? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he knows all his tricks, they're best friends, so he'll use that, right. Um yeah, who, who do the Lakers have to put on Dame and CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum, probably, you can throw on, or uh, you can probably throw Danny KC. Green on, on CJ, just because uh CJ doesn't quite have, like, the lightning speed and stuff like Dame does, but. I mean, I think whatever guard they put on Dame's just gonna get cooked. Like they don't really have a like that'd be perfect for Avery Bradley. So that's kind of one place where you're really gonna miss Avery Bradley. Which you won't find me saying that often about the Lakers. But I think in a matchup against the Blazers, you definitely miss him there.
1: Yeah. So you actually think it underrated that Bradley is not playing? Like I know he doesn't put up gaudy stats, but that just has to push him deeper into their bench and more minutes. Like. Deion Waiters, I honestly am shocked that he's, like, a thing on the on the number one seed Lakers. Like, I think that he should play, like, less than 10 minutes in the playoffs. Or maybe, maybe if you just, like, are desperate for, like, a nine-point scoring streak off the bench. But, like, that's what Kuzma is supposed to already be there for. And, like, you should stagger LeBron and Davis so that you don't have a ton of minutes without either of them. Like, I... I don't know. I'm I'm pretty worried about the Lakers, but I don't know. KCP could probably try to guard Lillard. I think that maybe is what they'll try to do. Um, but yeah, they don't have, they don't have guards that can play defense, and that's why I think they should try to coax Bradley into coming back. Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know. I, so, <laughs> yeah, true. My my thing about the Bradley situation and just I guess the Lakers situation is I've been so like. Um, I've been so low on their shot creation ability. Like, they just really, really struggle to do anything non-LeBron. Like, I mean, AD is a great player, but I'll always say he's like a play finisher. He's not a play creator. Like, even if throwing throwing the ball to him in the post, uh, let's just say for your second units, like, sure, that might be fine if they're staggering. He's doing that against second units. But, I mean, just having to rely on that as your second best form of offense, I just – I don't think that's good enough, and then you factor in the fact that they were terrible when LeBron wasn't on the court. When it comes to offense, just throughout the whole season, so I, that's why like I was all for the waiter signing, like taking the flyer to see if there's any sort, any form of almost efficient shot, secondary shot creation he can add to the LeBron to the non-LeBron minutes, and then maybe just have him be like that service serviceable other ball handler. That just literally no one on the team could do. Like Danny Green has to dribble in their offense, and that's just something that should never happen. Like basically, you hear anyone, any like high level um, announcer or just like maybe like the podcast uh, high end podcasters, like they'll talk about just like Danny Green. Uh, anytime he dribbles, it's like an automatic turnover. Like. He just should never have to dribble in an offense. And he's running pick and roll at times, like on the the weak side after LeBron gets it out of his hand. And that's like with Avery Bradley, too. So I'm all for them experimenting with uh, these like J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, Taylor Horton Tucker minutes just to see if one of those guys can fill in and provide extra shot creation, which J.R. Smith can't dribble right now to save his life. Maybe it'll come back to him a little and I, I don't even know how his shot's looking, but I've just seen him trying to put the ball in the floor, which wasn't really his game by the end of his career anyway. But I think he's playing in minutes where there's no real primary creator, so maybe he's forced to do it a little more and dribble in tougher situations than he would. But his handle's terrible right now, so don't know how if he'll be able to see any real minutes or if he should. I mean, Waiters, he's had a few decent scoring runs, but I don't think he's uh, been that efficient over all of the games. And... Taylor Horton Tucker obviously isn't there yet, but he's has um he has impressed me with like some of his scoring and stuff and I'm still pretty high on him, like I think we mentioned on one of the previous spots, but probably not ready now. So I don't know. They probably will miss Bradley because I think the floor of what he brings and just like the median outcome is definitely the highest. But I don't know, if you look at maybe like the thirty percent outcome, like the the top thirty percent outcome for Deion Waiters, I think I might would take that over Bradley. Or maybe even just more minutes out of KCP or Caruso, but I don't know. It's, yeah, the Lakers, they, I don't I don't love their situation. Like, I mean, I don't think, I mean, what do you think, where would you put the odds that they make the Western Conference Finals? Maybe,
1: like, even odds? Yeah, I mean, that's what I take, because
0: obviously I don't think something will happen in the first round, but you gotta, I mean, I wouldn't say non-zero, and then probably having to beat what I'm pretty sure will end up being the Rockets, too. So having both those things happen, like, yeah, I wouldn't put it more than, like,
1: 50-50. I mean, would you say you'd rather play uh, Utah than Portland? Uh, no, because,
0: I mean, I think Utah is probably equipped pretty well to guard the Lakers, at least. You look at Royce O'Neal, serviceable, throw on LeBron, then Rudy Gobert, probably, like, the exact defender you'd want for AD and just in general. And then, like, two quick guards you got to handle. Like, I think I can see that giving them some problems.
1: Okay. Well, the point I was trying to get so Lakers, they might have to play Blazers, Rockets, and Clippers. Like, maybe that's, like, the second, third, and sixth or fifth best team in the West. It's a pretty hard road. So, like, if you're a Lakers or a LeBron fan, you probably want the Rockets to get to three. And you probably want Memphis or like the Pelicans to somehow get in over the Blazers uh, to make your road like way easier. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it how it falls out because I don't. I think that they actually are in real danger of losing in one of the first two rounds, which sounds crazy because they're like 53 and 17. But I don't know. I, the biggest thing is they just need LeBron to be like back to his self from February or March because like. I didn't buy into it, but there was like some rumblings of maybe he can make an MVP push or or at least like locking into second place MVP behind Giannis. When they started to get hot, they beat the Bucks and Clippers like uh, in that weekend right before the hiatus. So, I mean, he was, I mean, 25 and 11 or 25 and 10 or whatever. Like he was looking really good in the first three, four games he has not looked good. So, really, they just needed him to be the best of himself and... And Davis, I mean, Davis has had, like, a 38 and a 44-point game or something so far, maybe, like, 42 against the Jazz. So uh, he he definitely can ball out, and he gets to the line and makes all of his free throws. So I don't want to completely write them off, but it'd be nice for them to put together, like, two good games here uh, before they get into the actual playoffs.
0: Yeah, I don't want to write them off either because at the end of the day, it's still playoff LeBron and AD. But just to finish on them, like... I had real concerns about them before we knew LeBron might not be hundred percent and that their guard rotation will be cut down so you factor in that's the new um, these new findings and yeah I'm very worried about them uh, so I guess we haven't really touched on the clippers do you see them as Western conference favorite right now?
1: They, so the clippers also like I keep like I said earlier they all these top teams are not impressing me. I mean, they. Beverly just got hurt. Lou Williams obviously had his chicken wing incident where he had to miss uh, the first three games or so. Uh, Harrell hasn't been with the team. And so, like, they, they just haven't had the chance to mesh. And even throughout the year, they had, like, weird, like, two or three-game losing streaks or just games where they kind of, like, lollygagged beating a terrible team by, like, three or four. It's so, like, they haven't really punish teams or, like, fully impress me. But I guess by default, I would say either them or the Rockets would have to be have to be the favorites. And the Rockets, it's just hard to put them as favorites because like, just, like, high-variance play and yeah. you worry about, like, some team bludgeoning them or just, like, getting every rebound even though they beat the Bucks, but they got out-rebounded what was it, by, like, 25 or something insane. Mm-hmm. So you just have, like, concerns that, that maybe their style doesn't hold up. But and the clippers
0: kind of are set up perfectly to defend it too so that's kind of
1: so by default yeah i would say the clippers probably have to be the favorites but i don't feel great about it at the moment yeah
0: i mean i'm saying boat. i think clippers rockets is what i'm looking at i mean that's what i think the western final is gonna be but i don't want to i don't I mean, I don't know if I'm doing the Lakers dirty by saying that, but I mean, I just think that's. All right, and I don't know if I'm being a biased Rockets fan, but I mean, I I'm glad you said that too because like I, I just think that's they've shown they've looked a lot better and like we kind of walked through that matchup a little. I mean, I think I'd favor them.
1: Yeah, the last thing I'll say about the Lakers is I did see they have shot twenty three percent from downtown in the bubble, which like broke a record for uh, minimum one hundred and fifty attempts over like a four to five game stretch or something. So even if they don't have great shooters, there's no chance that's gonna last. Even if it comes up to like thirty two percent, that obviously is gonna do wonders for them. But I mean, they got to get them off. Like you said, they only shot nineteen last game or eighteen, and and obviously LeBron is the huge driver of that. So. I don't know, it's not all doom and gloom for them, but yeah, I would probably say the Clippers and the Rockets and then, yeah, are likely uh, Western Conference Finals. Yeah,
0: so real quick, I'll touch on my thoughts with the Clippers too. So Paul George and Kawhi are both actually shooting like above 50% from three since coming back. And um, so they've always had the chemistry issues, partially just because of injuries, and then basically changing their whole like team from last year to this year. So it's – but the thing that, like, doesn't worry me too much about that is, like, they're not a ball-movement-type team anyway. Like, they're kind of just K- – uh, Kawhi and PG are kind of just going to work on the wings, and then everyone else that surrounds them is, like, role players. Like, your point guard is 3 and D. Your center is just someone who rolls hard to the basket, plays defense. Uh, Marcus Moore is a little different, but, I mean, he's still, like, a 40% three-point shooter. And – then you look at, like, Landry Schammett coming off the bench. just let He's just going to let it fly from three. Then when Lou Will and Montrez are in the game, they're just pick and roll the other team to death. And I'm not too worried about the chemistry. I think they're, it might be, like, they might slip up and, like, uh, lose a round one game or something because something silly. Like, they just look, like, clunky together or something like that. But uh, if... And I think Montre is supposed to come back uh, this weekend. So I think I heard someone say it was Sunday and then it'll be his four day quarantine from there and he'll be able to join. And Lou Williams is back now. So I think they're pretty close to having their full roster and just every uh, probably be able to like gel through the first two rounds of the playoffs. Like uh, I don't think they'll probably be challenged if they if the Rockets aren't don't end up on their side of the brackets, the Lakers obviously won't. So I just don't see any other team being able to push them too hard. Probably like the perfect sort of tune up, honestly. So I think they'll probably be like ready to go. Come Western Conference Finals are as ready as they can be. And one thing I think actually will be an issue, which I've heard like a lot of people talk about, is uh, Doc Rivers like finding the right combination because there's just so many options. You look at like uh, you can go pretty small, which actually isn't even that small, but just put Morris, Marcus Morris at center, Kawhi PG. Then, but then you still got to figure the guards out between uh, Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamet, Lou Will. Then, uh, if you want to go bigger, you can play like Jamichael Green at the four with Zubac. There's just so many options. And it'll be interesting to see if Doc Rivers figures it out and how he figures it out. Like, you look at one of the last games they played against the Lakers before the hiatus where they left Lou Williams in at the end of the game, even though Kawhi and PG were doing all of, like, the work on offense. So he basically was a spot-up shooter on offense and just getting killed on defense. And, I mean, my thought at the time was Doc Rivers just wasn't going to show his cards at any point, just going to keep the veteran happy, leave them on the floor. And if they win, they win. But... I just don't see any way you can play like Lou Williams in those type of minutes. So, even if you're not going to play Lou Williams, then you still got to decide if you're going to play Patrick Beverly, Reggie Schimmel, or uh, Reggie Jackson. Who, in that game against the Lakers, I think he looked good at times. But it's just he had to play 30 minutes because they had like no guard depth that night. And there's at times it looked kind of bad. But there's times where I really saw that. Like, okay, he's actually looking pretty good as a weak side creator. Just. Swing the ball to Kawhi, let Kawhi or PG work on the first side. Then, if it comes back to him, let him create seven, eight seconds on the shot clock uh, when the defense is a little compromised uh, when they're rotating back. So, I actually like some of what I saw from Reggie Jackson, but it's just kind of you never know when you're going to get what the good out of him when the bat's going to come. So, that's another, that's going to be tough to figure out. Like balancing like Jamichael Green, Marcus Morris, and Marcus Morris is, he's looked terrible since it's coming. I think. He's actually shooting 40% from three. But, I mean, there's been games where you put, like, 15 minutes and just, like, took very few shots, and it just has not looked good. So we'll see how uh, – we'll see if all of this gets figured out. But, I mean, I just think the potential for that group is so high, and they don't have to be too reliant on chemistry when you're playing with, like, just a kind of your play style with Kawhi's ISO player. PG's just kind of let it fly and a lot of role players around them. Real quick, dude. PGs look great. He's um, he said apparently he feels back to how he felt in his OKC, OKC days when he was a legitimate MVP candidate and probably had those like top two in the award before he uh, for real hurt both shoulders and had like a bad like last month or two. But yeah, he's looked great. Like just handling the ball and letting it fly on like crazy contested threes, which is obviously a huge plus for them. Right.
1: The thing about the Clippers is they're just so deep. Right. They have. Uh, Like, Reggie Jackson might start for the Lakers at point guard. He's, like, their number three point guard. They have all these options. with like, Morris, Jermichael Green, Zubac. Um, But, I mean, they have two star wings, which is what everybody wants. They have two bench scorers, uh, and they have... Like, both their wings can play defense. I just think they're super deep and, like, built for, like, the playoffs. They can be versatile. They could even put, like, PG and Kawhi at, like, the four and five against the Rockets if they wanted to and run, like, two of their point guards, maybe with, like, Shamit or something. I think that they are definitely set up to be a juggernaut in the playoffs if Doc Rivers can kind of push the right buttons and not, uh, not have too many chemistry issues or, like, one ball issues, because uh, they they actually did resort quite a bit to so ball, if you will, in, in the Laker game, at least. Like, well, they, they give it to him from, like, 18, and he just, like, backs in and goes to work. Obviously, he's, like, one of the best in the league at mid-range and drawing fouls and creating efficient looks from there, but I was surprised on how many plays were just, like, straight up Kawhi, go to work. Um, they were missing Lou Williams and Harrell in that game, so mm-hmm. maybe that's part of it, but I don't know. They... They definitely are set up well for the playoffs. Yeah, there's a few things. Like I said they gotta figure
0: out the depth, they had to figure out the right roster combinations, lineup combinations, um, kinda just get their gel together, just gotta get some experience, every full team playing together. But assuming they don't it doesn't blow up and they're at least like top twenty-five or so percent outcome. I would probably consider them to be my favorite and I guess that'll that's as strong as I'm gonna go prediction wise. I'd say I'll say if everything looks good as long as it doesn't blow up for the Clippers, I would consider them to be my favorite to win it all. What about you?
1: I might want to wait until uh after this whole regular season finishes to go that far, but I don't know, I think I'm might lean the bucks at the moment. Uh, definitely between the Bucs and Clippers, but I think I want one more week to, to look at it. I am concerned about the way the Bucks' offense bogged down late, especially, specifically against the Rockets, but I also think that they're extremely deep, and obviously they have the MVP. So uh, that would be uh, probably the best finals matchup. Uh, maybe maybe the Lakers, Giannis, LeBron would be pretty cool. but
0: just imagine seven games of Houston and uh, Milwaukee. Just the stylistic differences—that would be—that might be the most interesting one. And then you factor in the LeBron and or the James Harden and Giannis, the beef they actually have. That would be a pretty fun one.
1: <laughs> How hard was it to guard Giannis? Next question. Did you see that after the game? <laughs> uh, I
0: didn't see that. That's what oh, I man. saw. I saw you yeah. said something like that, but I didn't see that was the question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he like either stripped or like. Loosely caused a turnover in like two of the last like five plays or something when Giannis had the ball, and they asked Harden that right away, and he just said next question. Like, <laughs> he had no interest in uh, going getting into it.
0: Yeah, he came out like, like you mentioned too, uh, how there was like three minutes left and they were down like seven or eight. They had been like neck and neck basically all game, but they had lost it a little bit. It looked like the game was out of it. They called a timeout and regrouped, and like they came out basically the same thing on offense. But PJ Tucker finally knocked down a corner three. Uh, they locked up on defense. Like, James Harden took on Giannis, like, kind of bullied him in the post a few times. Uh, they they had crazy hands. Like, everyone got, like, there's two or three post-ups where, like, Robert Covington or James Harden came from the gap and just got a hand in there, stole the ball. And that's part of the reason why they've been, like, winning the turnover battles, just, like, turnovers on post-ups plus the entry passes and all that. Like, see, so, yeah, I definitely think the Rockets are very real... Clippers, probably my Western Conference favorite. And, yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about Boston or Toronto too much, but I'll say I can see them challenging the Bucks, especially if their offensive struggles continue. Uh, do you want to add anything to that, or do you want to head on to the next segment?
1: No, I just will say it sounds really fun to have a decent team. Uh, I'm a little bit jealous of you. <laughs> you, seem, you seem pretty over the moon about the Rockets recently.
0: Well, there's downfall to that too. there's getting your hopes way <laughs> too high that's true that's true and then there's the having to deal with maybe you losing in the second round instead of the conference finals or whatever and just people like talking crap going forward acting like your team was like a real contender like people love to forget that how close the rockets were to beating the kd warriors something that no team ever did
1: yeah you can't listen to those people Don. it doesn't matter when you play the team that you play yeah yeah, got to stay off Twitter. <laughs> um,
0: all right, so like teased a little bit earlier in the pod, TJ Warren, who's been going crazy, this uh, bubble, just having a great se- great season. I think he's averaging like 40 points per game so far in the bubble, just crazy efficiency and stuff too. He was traded by the Phoenix Suns. He was dumped onto the Pacers. They gave up a quality draft pick to get rid of him. They have the 32nd pick in the last draft. And uh, for, what was it, for cash considerations?
1: Yeah, they got cash, yeah.
0: Yeah, so to stay with that theme, or just the front office theme of this pod, we decided to take a, take a look at people who we think might get dumped this offseason. And just real quick before we get into it, uh, this is probably like the worst offseason look into this because typically teams do this when they want to create cap space to sign someone, or just when they really, or they want to deduct the luxury tax, or if they want to just um, get off a terrible contract. Which there's kind of not that many bad contracts now. Uh, it's like historically weak free agency class, and there, who knows? There might not even be like. I've heard one suggestion to, like, the uh, cap change and being, like, no luxury tax this year. So who knows how many players are actually going to get moved. It's probably, like I said, the worst offseason for it. But that didn't stop us from doing the exercise. (laughs) (laughs) What are your your thoughts on it?
1: Uh, Well, I will say one counterpoint. I agree with you mostly, but one counterpoint is just like owners have been like bleeding cash. And so like maybe, maybe that some teams would love to literally just save like $7 million or even like $4 million uh, by losing somebody if they're a little cash trapped and have been feeling the financial implications pretty hard from all this. Uh, And we don't know what they're going to do with the tax, but like maybe some teams are just like, absolutely we cannot be in the tax anymore. Maybe like a 76ers or like a Celtics, probably not likely because both those teams are good, but I, mostly I agree with you, but there could be, um, due to the the new financial realm that we're in, teams that would love to just trim like $10 million uh, off their salary.
0: Yeah, that's actually a pretty good point because, I mean, you know, the owners care about their money, so that actually could be a pretty real thing, like just looking to have more cash on hand uh, with it expected to be a net loss for this upcoming season. Or actually, I actually... Uh, Nate Duck was talking about that on his podcast. I don't know if it's been yeah. clarified if it's a net loss they're expecting or if it's just they're expecting a hundred million less in net income. Like, don't know about that. But
1: yeah, I would love the- to see. I would love to see those actual books uh, and scrubbed properly without like them adding all these costs on there that maybe are superficial. But the owners would never release all that. Like, I would love to know if like they're actually losing like losing 80 million dollars as in operating at a loss because i mean yeah that's that's incredible <laughs> to lose that much money in a year yeah. or if or if like like he was alluding to uh Dunk dunked if it was like going to be a hundred million dollar profit but it was only a 20 million dollar profit like that's a completely different story than actually like coming out at a loss so that'd be it interesting would, so i'd probably have to get with... hired by a team to actually find that out
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder how much of that information is publicly available. Probably none of it, but (laughs) very interesting. Yeah, yeah, so we basically all, we both took a look at just guys who we think could end up getting dumped. And that's actually a good point that you brought up. The fact that teams might just want to have more cash on hand, so they might be more willing to move someone than they originally would have been in a normal year. So do you want to start with one?
1: Yeah, Uh, so I'll just do the three that we've like already talked about quickly. I try to do non-expiring deals for this, but did you include expirings or no? Um,
0: I don't think any of my guys, I think one might be have or have one year remaining, but just
1: just quickly, the three most likely probably are James Johnson, Cody Zeller and Rudy Gay. Um, and I had golden state as a destination for all of those. That's like to fill their traded player exception. Um, all these guys could play for the Warriors or also could be used as future trade fodder. Um, and like the Wolves, James Johnson probably not too relevant for their plans going forward. Cody Zeller maybe has a future in Charlotte, but probably not. And then Rudy Gay, I mean, he's way up there. And the Spurs uh, maybe are turning a new leaf. We've seen a lot of their young guys play in the bubble. But yeah, they, and they, all- they make 14 15 and $16 million apiece. And the Spurs
0: might be facing uh, luxury tax issues if they resign sign so Rudy Gay might end up being
1: the cost of that. Yeah, so I'm just going to breeze through those. We talked about those all on the Warriors' spot, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, I have all those – or I didn't have all those guys, but same thought. Um you want me to start with one of mine then? Yeah, go ahead. So this is the one that I think – is most likely to end up in a dump. Like some of these guys, like it was tough to find like players who were in teacher war situation where they might not have been like even good, when they might not have been positive values when they were traded, but might become positive values. Um, so a lot of the guys that came up with are just kind of like guys who I could kind of see just being traded for less than what their actual value is because their contract is bloated, but one who I think might actually end up getting dumped is Eric Gordon because something I talked about earlier with the Rockets. If the cap drops, then I think the Rockets like are a lot to be a luxury tax team and it's just really tough to see them actually deciding to pay it just with having the cheapest owner in sports. <laughs> um, it just I don't know actually I don't know about cheapest owner, but he's like his moves you can argue are as damn, like the, the most damaging as they can be because they're stopped, they're like not getting the not using your mid level exception when you're potentially one piece away and just always like giving away pl- first round picks and players to duck the tax when you're contending team. Like that's about as damaging as you can do uh, at the highest impact level. So maybe not cheapest if we're talking about actual dollar signs, but if we're talking about impact, probably one of the worst owners in sports. But um so Eric Gordon I think is a candidate to be dumped just because his extension kicks in and it was a uh, the max extension he was eligible for with the last year being a non-guarantee um so I think it's around 16 or 17 million and I can definitely see them being pressured to move him if they don't make the conference finals and also just yeah, I mean, I think uh, with his him, like having a terrible year, that's like all the more incentive to for ownership to push that down on Daryl Morey. Oh, look, he was he wasn't even good this year, and he's only getting a year older, and you want us to pay him more now? Like they should they should probably gonna make him give up the one draft pick they have left that's eligible to be traded to move him. So he's a candidate, and I think he could actually end up going somewhere and then like really making the Rockets regret that because the majority of his downfall this year was because he was hurt. So yeah, that. It's something I can
1: see happening. Wow, that would actually really surprise me. So, do you think? How do you sell that to James Harden? Like, uh, Derrick Gordon is probably our third, or fourth best player, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, we're we're right there trying to win titles. But actually, I need to save some cash. Like that, that's that would be wild to me, especially if they had to attach a pick. Like, do you think? So, I I think he's at like yeah, like you said, like sixteen point eight million next year. I mean, do you think? that they actually would have to attach something like did you like if you had a team in mind like maybe would the hawks take him on that's
0: that's what i was about to say maybe you send them to the hawks and return for like a young wing or something because i mean you look at i don't know off the top of my head like how i feel about this as a hawks but just r- real quick just think about it like you're getting a serviceable veteran is someone you need it's actually not a crazy figure fits the system and can play defense um and a pick Probably wouldn't be willing to – I mean, definitely wouldn't do Cam Reddish for that and then probably wouldn't be willing to give up on the DeAndre Hunter pick so quick. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think if I'm attaching the pick, it's got to be with something in return. But it's – I mean, that's kind of a – that would be really tough just trade to work out. Um, But one thing, like you said, like how would James Harden feel about that? I always wonder, like, how much players – what kind of like working knowledge the players have of like the salary cap and things like that and like if players are aware like that the rocks like completely have made moves strictly to duck the tax and like they have not used like their full mid-level exception and chose to like not resign people like i wonder how aware like the rocks are that like um they could have like gave there's like three people last summer they could have gave like just like a uh, walking trade exceptions to uh, just paid him like a chunk like six to eight million just to have a tradable contract. So maybe they could have kept Clint Capello when they went for Robert Covington. Obviously, that wasn't like uh, how they wanted to play. But I mean, if they would have played their cards right, that's potentially something that could have happened instead of um, just letting these guys walk. Like Eman Shumper, they had the bird rights too, could have paid him like just eight million for one year and then just try and trade him same thing with uh nene which they actually tried to circumvent the cap to do and that didn't work like that's how cheap the ownership is like they could have easily just done that as a real contract instead so yeah i don't know how aware that's i'm curious about how aware like the players are like the moves that they've already done that aren't quite as obvious but yeah it's a tough sell but i mean i can definitely see it happening
1: Okay. no that's actually a great question that I've wondered about too the how how much the players know about that or not um I was actually just looking at Portland uh, when I was trying to put this together and I just was looking at so they dame and CJ obviously got those massive extensions so they those two combined are gonna make 86 million dollars uh just those two players in like 2023 so I wonder if like they look at that and they say there's no way that they're going to pay a backcourt $86 million and, like, one of us is going to get moved? I mean, I guess maybe there is a way, but that just seems insane to me that they would do that. So, that's just a good question that I wonder, like, if players are, like, keyed into that and, like, know who could be a cap casualty and, like, how things could shake up just because of uh, salaries or not. Mm -hmm. But, but I don't know, that would really surprise me, but I think it's possible if uh, Fertitta is as cheap as you say, and especially if like if they look good as they kind of do right now without Gordon, and maybe like House or Rivers or just more Harden and Westbrook kind of make up for the the value that Gordon isn't providing for you. So it could be yeah. possible, but it would surprise me.
0: Yeah, it's actually one more point to that. That's uh, good. A uh, good point you made about how they could look pretty good without Gordon. And then also add that uh, I think Austin Rivers, the only reason he signed a minimum contract this summer is kind of like with the understanding of he'll get paid with early bird rights uh, this upcoming summer. Kind of like how Chris Paul opted into his deal with the idea, like basically the promise that they're going to sign like the max contract the next summer. I think that was the whole plan with um, Rivers last summer. They were pretty limited, and like they actually had to cut into the mid-level exception to sign him and House. Um, so basically Rivers just ended up getting the minimum. And I think the talk was that, uh, he's expecting to get paid with early bird rights so he can make up to like, uh, I think it's like the, like the Robert Covington contract this upcoming summer. So, uh, if Rivers looks significantly better or even close to Gordon, that's all the more reason that they would be talked into doing it.
1: Yeah. Should I hit you with one? Yeah. So I had uh, Tomas Sadoransky from the Bulls. Uh, Maybe the Chicago front office would rather see the young guys progress a little bit more. Um, They obviously drafted Kobe White last year. He said, like, some injury concerns, and he makes $10 million. Uh, I think their ownership is known for being a little bit cheap. Uh, They actually are going to keep Jim Boylan on. Mostly because they don't want to pay multiple coaches, and so I think that that's just is a point in favor of them trying to cost cut uh, where it's possible. So I think I think we could see them trading Sadaransky and as a couple of team targets I had was like maybe Phoenix. Uh, they always I mean you know, they have a few younger point guards on the roster, but they could always just use another competent ball handler um, if when Rubio sits and. And just like they they look good so far and maybe they want to make the playoffs next year. Just another solid vet uh, or the Knicks who badly could use another point guard as well or ball handler. And they certainly would be all in favor of adding any competent players. And he makes 10 million. So I think that's pretty reasonable. But I think we talked about in the Bulls pod, they actually have a lot of salary committed. And I don't think they're in the tax, but they are certainly up in like 125, 130. So maybe just, to clear the way for their younger guys, and and if the front office maybe doesn't love his game as much, I could see Sadoransky getting dumped.
0: Yeah, I definitely can see him uh, being moved to another team, and just like any like, another team, another one where the Hawks make sense. If like the Hawks, maybe just maybe you I'm like the a Hawks? maybe like a second round pick or something like that. But just I don't know, like it might not even have to be a dump if you're if the Hawks just can just like absorb him um yeah i can see him like definitely helping out some other team too that he goes to does that be a good one okay you got another one yeah so these this one's kind of for a different reason it's just because the raptors have the goals of chasing after Giannis. so one guy who might end up cutting their cap space a little bit is norm powell just because um, his contract extends a little bit into into that summer and it's like around like 10 million or 10 to 12 million. He actually had a great year this year, but it's just if they need to create the space, uh, he's like the most likely cap casualty. So I can definitely see him being, um, he'd probably have to send back some value for him. Maybe it's nothing crazy if, if they get uh, pretty desperate, but I can see him being moved somewhere and Uh, actually probably helping wherever he goes to like he had a pretty great year
1: yeah I looked at him briefly I thought yeah I guess I thought that he probably wouldn't even be a dump he might you might be moved like to get rid of the money but I think that another team would value him Uh, and they probably would want to wait more one more season right because they could probably hold on to him and try to do it as they were acquiring Giannis
0: yeah that's a good point if that that came to fruition they probably could hold on to him until it was necessary
1: one more year All right, uh, I have two left that I uh, think are somewhat realistic. So the next one I have is actually DeLon Wright from Dallas. Um, So Seth Curry's been out the last couple games, and DeLon Wright only played like 16 minutes in both of those games. Uh, He did just get acquired for two second-rounders just last year, so it seemed like Dallas liked him. But I don't know, Carlisle's kind of herky-jerky with his rotations, and it seems like he might be in the doghouse a little bit. And uh, I know that he... Uh, Dallas can be players in free agency in 2021 and right deal goes for two more years. So it goes through that obviously. And they're actually uh, six points worse with him on the court this season, which is a little bit surprising because I kind of liked his game uh, in Memphis, but he kind of didn't really fit all that well this season. And I could see him going to like Atlanta. I think he'd be really good next to Trey young as just like a defensive <laughs> guard. Um, he kind of just does a little bit of everything. He can shoot a little bit. He can play make a little bit. And uh, certainly is more known for his defense. Um, and then even Detroit uh, just is like taking a flyer. They have a ton of cap space, and they don't have a ton in the way of uh, young guards on their team. Uh, not that right is that young, but I can see him fitting in either of those places.
0: Yeah, I think he definitely makes sense on most of the cap space teams just because – I mean, all those teams could kind of use just another defensive player, at any position really. And the fact that he can provide a little ball handling too definitely. Uh, like you said too, he's not as young as you think. I think he hasn't been in the year too long in the league too long, but he's actually like twenty eight, so um, yeah, not too young. But I think he definitely makes sense on basically all the cap space teams. So I can definitely see that one happening. Uh, the last guy I have for like. Uh, that's the thing. I kind of struggle with like finding straight up dump ones. Like mine are a lot ones that maybe you would. Um, I mean, it might make more sense to do a year later or something like that. But I put down Julius Randall. Just so I can see the Knicks if they want to, if for some reason they felt the need to open up the space this summer, which I don't see being too likely. Like maybe in a normal free agent year, I think Julius Randall would be more likely. Um, but th- with just this free agency class, I honestly don't even really see it happening. But. I think in a normal year, I can definitely see Julius Randle being a dump candidate.
1: Yeah, I like. I looked at him as well, and yeah, just the Knicks have so much space that it's hard to know what they would do. Uh, do with all that new space, should they get it? But yeah, I certainly thought about him because he maybe he's probably not like in their in their long term goals. He's probably not a key piece in that, so mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. Uh, Do you want to hear my favorite one? Or at least maybe the most intriguing one? Yeah, let's hear it. So I have Danny Green down. So obviously he just signed uh, last year with, I think it was like three for 48 or something like that. Uh, He'll make like $15 next season. And so Lakers, if they actually, if everyone opted out of their player options and they traded Danny Green, I think that they could have between like 19 and like 24 million in space. Like, it's hard because we don't know where the cap's gonna land, but they would only have LeBron, Davis, Kuzma, uh, their pick next year, and like, uh, yeah, and that's like, oh, and Taylor Hart, and Tucker, that's like literally the only stuff they would have on the books. Um, KCP is probably gonna opt out. Bradley is debatable, but I think he'll probably opt out. Even JaVale could probably get, uh, he actually might opt in, but anyway, if if, if everybody opted out. And they only had like those four guys on the books. They could have around like twenty million, even accounting for cap holds. And Danny Green has been pretty shaky this season. I think that he has underwhelmed expectations, but but I do think his value is shown most in the playoffs with like defending some bigger wings and knocking down threes, which he, we've seen him go hot and cold on. I think he had like a dreadful streak either in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals last year um, before he found his shot again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Lakers go and they could try to like, get Fred Van Vliet. They had like, no guards that are exciting. Um, there's not a lot of free agents is the problem with that. And I don't know. Do you think Danny Green, do you think you'd have to attach an asset to get rid of him? I don't know about attaching an asset just because his
0: uh, contract's not too high of a number. I mean, he's kind of like average starter money. But no, that's a really interesting one. I didn't even think about Like, It seems pretty tough for, to, for everyone to opt out and have to trade a few pieces, but I never even thought about there being a route to the Lakers having cap space. Um, I guess you'd have to really know you're getting someone you have the ability to get someone pretty good to pull that move off. But yeah, it's definitely interesting.
1: And I think I, I misspoke. I think it was two for 30 that Danny Green signed. So the next year would actually be his last year. Um, so you could probably dump him. Like you could probably get rid of him without attaching an asset. And yeah, there's not a ton. And also I think it would depend on, I think Davis would have to pick up his option. Cause if he opts out, he'll get like a, I don't know, like a $7 million raise if you gave him the new max. So it, I I think it's up in the air whether people think he'll opt in or out. He probably probably should just opt out and get the new deal, but I don't know. It it, yeah, it'd have to you'd have to know in advance. And there's not even a lot of really good guards, so like really, I mean, maybe if you could get Conley to opt out, maybe that's like an option. Or yeah, um, but you'd have to give him years because he'd be giving up like thirty, thirty two, thirty three million in of his salary next year if he declined the player option. So it's just a tough free agent class, Um, but I I thought it at least worth mentioning if Danny Green kind of fizzles out, doesn't perform in the playoffs, and the Lakers maybe get some inklings that they could land one of the biggest biggest guards out there this fall.
0: Yeah, I like it. Um, My last one is Buddy Heald. I can see Sacramento just completely chews in. They want Bogdanovich. And it probably wouldn't be a dump in a sense that, we're getting, that Sacramento would attach an asset. Uh, one of the teams that I've heard talked about a little bit is Atlanta because they're going to be in all these because they're a cap space team. Uh, maybe it'd be like Atlanta sitting back like a medium to late or just like a not high-end asset, just an all right asset in return. But, but he was kind of like one of the guys I mentioned in the beginning where the only reason like he... His trade value would be so bad because his contract's like pretty bloated now going forward. But if it was, um, if you just look at the player-wise, like still a pretty good player. And yeah, I mean, and so I also wrote down like just someone from Philly who's not Ben Simmons or Embiid. Like you get Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, and Al Horford. Like I think all of them are candidates to be moved for less than their value because of their contract. Richardson's a little different because he's about to get paid, but. That'd be if they did if they didn't see themselves actually planning to pay him, but I think Sacramento or Philly is actually one place that uh, I've heard for Buddy Healed as well. So maybe just one you kind of maybe f- work some deal around like swapping bloated contract for bloated contract there. And uh, I mean, I've talked I've looked at some things too. Would be like that had like Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes going to Sacramento if, like, to buy or to Philly if, like, to buy his hair or something like that. Like, some little combinations like that, but. It's just kind of like those guys. I think I can all see them. Might like maybe swapping teams or just being moved for less value than the player actually has because of uh, the contract being too
1: much. Yeah, that's a really good one. I should have thought of that. Um, he he's been terrible so far in the bubble, and also he's only played. Like he's played twenty minutes or less in all but one game so far, and they they came into Orlando with like a small chance of making the playoffs. They had like the Spurs, Magic, and Nets uh, on their schedule. They've lost to all three of those teams. So it really feels like Luke Walton is not a big Buddy Field fan. And obviously they have Bogdan on that they're probably going to resign this summer. And do you really want guy making $22 million coming off the bench? Probably not. So he's certainly a candidate. Um, you just have to figure out the right team. Um, I think you know, that you're right that it would have to be like contract for contract, though, because other than like... The Knicks and the Hawks, it's hard to see any team just, like, taking him on, like, without really giving anything back outside of, like, a pick. Yeah, this one's
0: coming off uh, straight—this one's straight off the dome right now, but it's actually—you made me think of it, bringing up Danny Green. What if it's a swap based around those two? Probably—who would have to attach picks in that?
1: Ah, you would think think the Lakers, right?
0: if we're talking about just the players, yeah, but I feel like maybe the fact that, like, it's a, I think it's a plus for the Lakers that he under contract for four years, but just the, the dollar amount, how insanely bloated it is, like, maybe
1: that evens out the value. I mean... Yeah, because it's probably like a if, minus to the Kings that the deal is so big and long, but it's probably fine for the Lakers, like, unless they want to be in free agency again, but they have no routes but, in the near future to getting there.
0: So... If the Lakers do that and, like, they can just re-sign KCP with bird rights and maybe pick up one fringe defender, just, or, like, whatever best defender they can get at the minimum, they start to get pretty interesting there because all their shot creation issues, most, like, majority of their shot creation issues uh, get solved with uh, adding Buddy Hield to that team. Then just the fact that they'd be perfect complementary player, like, while you're running to LeBron, AD pick and roll, and you have Buddy Hield like, spotting up, and you also have them to help create offense, like, uh, when LeBron's not in the game. I mean, maybe you do Danny Green and you're in the 29th pick for Buddy Heald. I mean, that's pretty interesting for both sides, really. I mean, Sacramento, you get a flyer on, like, a role-player veteran type. You still get to keep Bogdanovich. And someone who actually makes a lot more sense, like, next to Bogdanovich and Fox, uh, someone who just plays defense and can defend threes. And maybe you can sign him to a decent deal going forward. From there, using bird rights, um... And, yeah, I mean, I think that makes – and then you just get one, like, halfway decent draft asset. So, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Kings are uh, probably just like every team in the West, like, want to make the playoffs. So, maybe Danny Green, if you consider Buddy Heald as being, like, a little bit repetitive and only a backup role that – Having Danny Green might actually be better for you next season. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe you could sell yourself on that. Uh, and then if you throw in the contracts and the first round pick, yeah, you could maybe sell me on that. I guess. I guess I don't can see Buddy as so much of a playmaker. Maybe I need to watch more Kings, but I feel like well, the Lakers probably still need like another ball handler. But he certainly helps them like with spacing and maybe like secondary. Playmaking. Yeah, that's
0: that's kind of like secondary playmaking. Just running like weak side pick and rolls and just playmaking when it comes to scoring, not for others.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, then, then I'm then I'm like on board with you there. No, that's interesting. I I wonder Yeah, no, I don't I could see either team I don't know which team would turn that down. Probably yeah, I know that
0: that's one of the ones that's I mean, I feel like it's a lot I don't
1: know. Probably the <laughs> Kings if anyone, but
0: I mean, as the Kings, I don't wanna you you get out of pain, two shooting guards uh, who are kind of strictly shooting guards, and you get a role player makes a lot of sense. You get off a huge contract, and a first a late first round pick, so you can at least sell yourself on getting one future asset too. Like it's kind of interesting.
1: Right, it'd have to be right after the draft, right? Because the Lakers can't trade their well. It'd yeah, be, it'd be in the summer, anyway. <laughs> or it'd be in the off season anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but the only thing, I guess, getting off that deal just gives the Kings the opportunity to give out another bad contract in like a year and a half from
0: now. (laughs) Actually, I mean, I don't know, because by by then Fox will probably have his max. They don't have that much. Yeah, and
1: and Bogdan, obviously. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't, but that's interesting. Maybe you have to throw that on Twitter.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely put that one up.
1: Do you have any more thoughts or anything you want to leave the people with? No, I just... Other than just loving basketball, being back, like, I think that getting rid of eight teams has made, like, everything a really good game. I think we were talking a little bit earlier, except for uh, yesterday being Friday, there was some duds, and also none of them came down to the wire. But, like, the first, like, six days, uh, well, opening night, both shot games literally came down to the last shot. And then I just feel like it's been rolling from there with the other... Breakout performances, like maybe Michael Porter, we didn't even talk about has been going crazy and super exciting. And then just like games coming down to the wire and good basketball, uh, which I think has surprised some people given the conditioning concerns and all that. So no, I think it's been pretty fun, pretty fun restart. And uh, it's exciting all day long basketball. You can't beat it.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Just all day getting to watch games. And like you said, Really, Friday was the only day that they didn't really have any quality games. Um, you want to plug your l- latest draft class article?
1: Oh, sure. The part four, the final part of my uh, off-season piece on the delete eight or the eradicated eight, as I was calling them, um, was was posted a few days ago. Um, the The Hawks finished number two, and uh, you'll have to go for your, see for yourself who finished number one, but. <laughs> some deep dive on the teams who were left out and uh, covers kind of their outlook going forward and what uh, fans can be most optimistic about.
0: Yeah, we'll see uh, what the season starting back. Maybe I'll start back writing some things here and there.
1: Do it. I need to going. get back
0: in on the gambling corner.
1: Yeah, seriously, you might have to do that for playoffs. Like, especially if we're so down the Lakers, you could probably get some juicy odds on uh, the ATS yeah exactly. beating them or the Rockets even. So, I need to
0: look into like title odds right now and just like evaluate them. Like, probably you can get a pretty good line for the Rockets.
1: I think I think I actually was looking. I think they're like ten to one or twelve to one or something.
0: It's definitely good value there.
1: Probably um, changes every day, but yeah, you yeah, should, you should look into that
0: yeah all right we'll call it there y'all go check out sam's articles check out the draft and let us know about your thoughts on the trade we're going to (laughs) post all right talk to you all next time